Good afternoon and welcome to SJ at Noon. Rory McGoran joined with the Nugs on another edition. And I think, Nugsy, the final edition of virtual SJ at Noon as we'll be back in studio next Monday, of course, bringing you all your SJHL hockey talk, weekend recaps, looking ahead, players of the week, buy it or sell it, and all interviews with the personalities, the players, and the coaches around the league here on SJ at Noon. We got another great show tonight with the head coach and GM of the Nippowin Hawks, Tad Cozen, joining us, as well as the man behind you there, Nugsy, the goaltender for the Kindersley Clippers, Matt Pacenti, who's been on an absolute tear going, getting the Clippers, pardon me, back to eighth place. And, I mean, I want to ask them, how fun is it playing in these games where they know every single shift and every point matters? And we'll talk to Matt Pacenti coming up in about half an hour's time. Tad Cozen coming up in about 20 minutes as well for the Nippowin Hawks. Uh, but, of course, our condolences go to the Nippowin Hawks organization. Uh, devastating news from one of their stalwarts in the building, in the dressing room. Uh, a man who wears his Nippowin Hawks heart right on his sleeve in Joel Verklin. Goobs, as he was known as, uh, he passed away a few days ago. And I just want to start by saying uh, the condolences to his family, to the organization, to all the fans and the people that new goobs in Nippowin, and uh, I know they're doing a great job at sort of carrying his memory along on the wings of the Hawks. Yeah, there are a few clubs in this league that connect with their community as well as the Nippowin Hawks organization uh, does, and goobs uh, being part of that organization, again, doesn't surprise me that the bond between him and Nippowin uh, is, and the Hawks organization was tight, and so again, big condolences for both of us. And we'll talk to Tad Cozen, of course, and he can give us a little more insight about what he meant to the team, what he meant to the community. Yeah. And uh, yeah, our condolences go towards the Nippon Hawks organization. As we, re as we recap now your Sask Lottery's uh, weekend that was in the SJHL. And I think, Nugsy, it's the biggest story in the SJHL right now. The LaRange Ice Wolves are on absolute fire and huge wins. We thought the wins over Nippowin last weekend were big. They were because it gave them a little separation. But how about looking five teams above you in the standings, your division rival who has, you know, had had your number in recent memory and pick up two wins against the Flin Flon Bombers to now move on to a tie in sixth place with the Yorkton Terriers, with Yorkton Terriers, pardon me. And LaRange Ice Wolves can breathe right now a bit because they've separated themselves from that playoff line a little bit. Yeah, it's extremely impressive. You know, you and I have said so many times on this uh, show, Rory, that uh, Whitney Forum, you go in there, it's so hard for anybody. doesn't matter. Uh, but Kevin Kaminsky has got his guys believing. And, you know, again, I, I've talked about how much I love watching Kevin Kaminsky's teams play, the passion that they play with, the togetherness they play with, the bonding that is so clear within that LaRange locker room that is intentionally worked on by Kaminsky and his staff. You know, Kyle Schneider is also a great guy too there on the staff. So, you know, big time kudos. And Rory, they did it with Xavier Cannon in one game, but they did it with Dawson Smith in the other. So, you know, everybody around the league talks about, you know, when Xavier Cannon's in net for LaRange, they could beat anybody. That is clear. But Dawson Smith, again, big, big win for LaRange. And remember, Rory, Flint Flon had won Every game in 2022 coming into this one, six games, yeah. I believe. So they were flying and playing great hockey. So, again, yeah, huge huge kudos to LaRange. 
huge kudos to uh, Aaron Gray Eyes, who's putting up numbers. And, you know, again, it's a different hero every night for LaRange. Yeah, Gray Eyes, six points in a four-game point streak. So he's got one in all the wins, well, except for the first one. They're on a five-game winning streak right now, LaRange. Dawson Smith with four straight victories. So he's found his game. And we, we were talking about what was the most savviest trade acquisition at the deadline. Is it Andrew Schaub for Kindersley? Man, McKellen Couture on the back end for LaRange. Has he shored some things up or what? Yeah, he's been around the league a long time. Weyburn, Nippowin, uh, Kindersley, he's been around the block too and uh yeah you know he can he's one of those guys rory that he's not uh just dynamic offense he's not you know shut you down shut you down defense he's kind of in between but he can move and uh clearly he's bought in but great call by you rory to say that the one of the savviest pickups because again the preseason talk and throughout the year was you know we said you know larange can score yeah no question we said xavier can's gonna stop the puck no question who is on this LaRange decor? Like nobody knew. So it was, you know, a great, great job by them of going out and getting a former captain and a big time uh, veteran like McKillen Couture to be a veteran on what's a pretty young overall LaRange team decor, especially, especially for LaRange because Kevin Kaminsky only likes 20s and 19 year olds most of the time. Well, and I mean, they did give up a nice young piece in Trey Fouquet. Yeah. Uh, I think this trade was, was great for both sides. I think the yeah. Nippon Hawks have a, a, an exceptional young defenseman now, Trey Fouquet. They, they also acquired Brendan Lee in that Schaub trade. So they, you know, retooled that back in to get younger. We'll talk to Tad Cozen coming up in about 15 minutes time. Uh, and, and he'll enlighten us about sort of the pitch to go younger in a Nippon community that, you know, they know that they're not where they want to be. And for a new head coach to come in and shake things up like that, uh, I love to see it, but I was, I think that that trade might have been the most mm. evenly beneficial on both sides out of any trade we saw this year. Yeah, Trey Fouquet, 04 birth year with Western Hockey League experience, hard-nosed young man. Uh, you know, he'll fit nicely in, again, a small barn like LaRange, or uh, Nippowin, rather, where nobody's hiding. He probably he fit nicely in LaRange with a small barn and nobody's hiding. Again, you talk about this LaRange decor, too. You know, Taylor Webb had a great week uh, last week. They also brought in Liam McInnes. Uh, from Melfort we all know that uh, Trevor Blevins can pick up uh, can pick up defensemen he was part of the trade that sent uh, Nolan Dole from LaRange to Melfort and you know big time kudos we talked about too Rory about you know the perception of the LaRange Ice Wolves after they traded Nolan Dole away what does this mean does this mean that they're rebuilding what does it mean doesn't mean they're rebuilding it means and and I said at the time Kevin Kaminsky his ethos is how can we win as many games as possible for the LaRange Ice Wolves and the LaRange community every year. That's the way he operates at big time kudos because they're doing it again. Yeah. He, I mean, he took a captain in Dole Yeah, and, you know, a little bit of a shift. Of course you lose some offense, but you, you get a great defenseman in return. And then he traded a young defenseman for another defenseman. So it was a win right now, retool on the blue line and it's working Again, we'll talk about LaRange coming up later in the show on buy it or sell it. But again, no one wants to play this team in the playoffs. And I'll leave it at that because we'll continue that conversation later on in buy it or sell it. Uh, The Melford Mustangs had another weekend. 
probably, well, not probably, they are. Are they the streakiest team in the SJHL? <laughs> because now they've won two straight, and are they going to go on another 10-game winning streak after losing five, winning 10, losing four, and now winning two? Yeah, I mean, one thing, obviously, to consider with Melford and their losing streak to you know over the last little bit was that they had a brutal strength sure. of schedule. Yeah. Uh, so there's that element to it. But that being said, yeah, it's wild. You know, tough to you, you feel for uh, Hayden Tuba of the Melford Mustangs, the defenseman who uh, was with Surrey in the BCHL in, the, in their hub last year. Uh, you know, he's out for the year with an injury. You know, they don't have Ben Takacha coming back from an injury right now. They're captain. Uh, you know, Joel Favreau has been coming back to full fitness and playing with an 04 James Venn, who's kind of looked up and down lately for Melford too. So, you know, again, they, there's all sorts of different uh, factors involved, but yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a, uh, uh, a team that either is just gangbusters on fire. They won 10 in a row, then they lost, you know, five or six in a row, I think five in a row coming to the game against Notre Dame that I had the, you know, how was, how was that game? Privilege seven, call, six in overtime. Right. Yeah, it was it was unreal, Rory. And, and anybody who watched it, especially the neutral, I'm sure, sure, Trevor Blevins and Brett Pilkington were having heart attacks. But it was uh, it was something else. I mean, uh, you know, it was it was uh, you know the the a thing with the Notre Dame Hounds where they felt like they were getting scoring chances throughout the year. They put 42 shots earlier in the week, and we'll talk about the humble Broncos. But 42 shots on uh, Race Ramsey. I don't know how many teams go into the Elgar Peterson Arena and put up over 40 shots against the humble Broncos. So there was a sense in within that Notre Dame room that, you know, the bounces were going to come and they did. The issue of course, is that you give up seven the other way and big time kudos to yeah. Curtis Hammond, Rory <laughs> five goals in a game. And we saw the stat there on Twitter. Now, if you saw uh, that the last time somebody scored five in a goal was a Kindersley Clipper back in 2015 at the Algar Peterson arena and a Kindersley Clippers nine to three win before you and I were both, uh, either of us were in Saskatchewan, but I, yeah, it was just crazy. And then uh, the seventh goal there in overtime, just a collision between Sam Kroon and Jared Sitch and uh, Notre Dame players wonder whether they'll ever get a bounce again. But the thing about last thing I'll say about the, the Notre Dame hounds end of it is that Notre Dame had not got a point Rory at the Northern lights palace in Melford, not a point, not an overtime loss, let alone a win since uh, the January of 2017. Oh wow! So, so five years, seven seven games in a row in the Northern Lights Palace without a point. Wow. So you know, there's that they had uh, you know Jake Sacratini scored his first goal as a hound. But every time Curtis Hammond touched the puck, he looked extremely dangerous, <laughs> uh, filling in that gap, especially for Ben Tkachuk being out. And uh, you know, big time uh, kudos to the Muffer Mustangs for getting the last shot because that was wild. Yeah, fair to say Curtis Hammond might have his name on uh, yeah. on a Player of the Week award coming up. Maybe. May, well, maybe <laughs> a five-goal effort from Curtis Hammond, including the overtime winner. So he yeah. did it every way. Melfort then went on to beat Nipwin. More of a prototypical Melfort-Nipwin game, 3-1, to one, low scoring. And uh, we mentioned it, two more wins for the Melfort Mustangs. Kind of bounces back after suffering that four-game losing streak it was. But you mentioned, you mentioned it, the four teams they played – was the Broncos, the Bombers twice, and the Estevan Bruins. So every team above them. So, yeah, and, uh, you know. What you expect. Yeah, for sorry for interrupting no you. And, and another element to the Nippo and Melford game there is another game-winning goal for Marco Lopez. I yeah. feel like every time Marco Lopez scores a goal for the Melford Mustangs, it's a huge one. 
And, uh, and again, his fourth goal game winning goal of the year. Uh, he's just kind of in the right place at the right time a lot for the Melford Mustang. He's a big body. He can shoot it. Um, he was quiet in the seven, six game and, you know, Hammond was on fire. And then this game, uh, you know, Hammond got no points the day after scoring five goals. So that's kind of funny, but um, you know, again, the Melford Mustangs will find a way. And I think Ben Tkachuk will be back soon and that'll be a big thing. And also Joel Favreau, um, you know, who came in relief of James Venn in the seven, six game, uh, you know, he'll be, uh, you know, back up to full speed uh, before long too. Obviously he was out for a long time. So, uh, you know, he's trying to come back. And if you're the, again, it, you don't, one of those teams, you're talking about not wanting to play LaRange, uh, you know, with Trevor Blevins coach team at any time, uh, you know, they'll play the right way. They got a sign on the door, the Melford Mustangs locker room that says winners only on the door. <laughs> I love that. And uh, and clearly Trevor Blevins uh, grooms winners there in Melford. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Estevan Bruins went on. We have to go back to Thursday for their first game, which was a 4-3 loss to the Yorkton Terriers in a shootout. And then Saturday against the Melville Millionaires, dominating Estevan victory 8-2. Is this kind of becoming just a narrative now about one team that's found their success before against Esteban, so there's confidence that they can win. And the Melville Millionaires have not picked up a victory against their division rival in the Bruins this year. And there's just not a lot of confidence when those two teams line up. Unfortunately for the Melville Millionaires, because they got a game in hand over Kindersley and are three points back. So, you know, I think they're just wanting these games against Esteban, like, not to come on the schedule ever again because yeah. it's the one team that they, they just can't seem to find a way to win. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about, uh, you know, the, the, are, are the Rangers the team you don't want to face in the playoffs and whatever. Melville, uh, I wouldn't want to play them either. Well, yeah. And, and it's kind of along those same lines is my point. I think there's certain teams that are bad matchups for other teams too. I mean, you can look at the standings and talent level and yada, yada, yada. Um, but you know, I think Yorkton is just not a great matchup for Estevan because the Yorkton Terriers, you know, say what you want about Keyshawn Gervais, very, very good hockey player. Obviously, Caleb the Papinet has been spectacular this year. But that being said, they're not a team with, you know, superstar, superstar, superstar. You know, they're not a star-driven team like pre previous Yorkton Terriers teams have been. They're a system team. They clog it up. They try to make the game ugly. They try to, you know, let Cale the Pape see it. When Cale the Pape sees it, he'll stop it. That's kind of the way the Yorkton Terriers play. The Estevan Bruins, Rory, you know, and I mean this in a, in a lot, of, lot of respect and admiration because they have so much talent, so much skill, so many weapons. You know, they're a little bit more individual. They, you know, give give uh, Olivier Pouliot the puck. He'll break it out down the ice by himself. He is so quick. He's, you know, dynamic, etc. You go down the list. So, you know, that's that's not a great matchup when you have a system clog it up, you know, team that sticks together, works hard, grinds it out like the Yorkton Terriers against an individual, you know, more driven team like the Estevan Bruins are. Um, so I just think it's a matchup thing, Roy. Yeah, and I think the Yorkton Terriers, when you watch them play, they put numbers on the blue lines and make yeah. it incredibly hard for you to transition into their zone. It's the, it, They do it, I think, just as good as any other team in the league. Yeah. And if you, you, know, you aren't using collective bodies to try to get through that mess, they'll just shut you down and take it back the other way. Exactly, right. And I know, again, it's kind of funny because Melville and Yorkton, they just hate each other. The rivalry is serious. But the thing is, they kind of play – Try to play a pretty similar brand of hockey, right? Like 
five Melville Millionaires, five Yorkton Terriers, you know, at the at the defensive blue line, you can throw a blanket on them. So it, it, it's uh, it's interesting that the Rooney and Hare both you know, wanting their teams to play a similar brand. And, uh, you know, but kudos because those kids have to buy in to do that. And they have been for the Yorkton Terriers, especially. Well, I'll tell you what, if LaRange continues, uh, if they win their next game, right, yeah. they will leapfrog the Yorkton Terriers, which would line up if the playoffs were today on Estevan Yorkton series. Hey, I'd buy a ticket for that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Uh, let's move along in your SAS Lotteries weekend recap. And we will join by Tad Cozen coming up in about five or six minutes time of the Nipwin Hawks. Matt Pacenti of the Kindersley Clippers will follow Tad Cozen. Then we'll play a little buy it or sell it and look ahead to the week that's yet to come here in the SJHL in your CAA road report. The Humble Broncos, two more wins for them. Defeat the Orton Terriers. William Dyke picks up the win in net. Then they go back to race Ramsey. Wayburn right in it. 3-2 headed into the third period. Broncos with two goals in that third period. Pick up the win. It's their sixth straight victory for the Humble Broncos now as they're one of the hottest teams in the SJHL. But how about the jerseys? The 1970-71 throwback vintage third jersey, bringing back the original jersey when the Humble Broncos were incepted into the league back in 1970-71. And those things were, I thought they were beautiful. Yeah, you know, the, the when I moved to Saskatchewan, Rory, back in 2017-18, one of the first things that hit me was the love that this province has, the love story that this province has, with the clubs and the history that so many of these clubs in the SJHL are just, you know, just seeped in. And obviously the humble Broncos, big part of that, you know, Melford, you know, on their walls, there's, there's great history everywhere. Flynn Flon, obviously it's, you feel like you're walking into history. Um, you know, so the heritage of a beautiful league and the beautiful connection between the province and the history of these teams is just so evident. And again, humble doing a great job honoring that, you know, we go down the line. A lot of teams are just awesome in that re regard. And kudos to, you know, if only I knew somebody on the humble who works for the humble Broncos to say nice job to, I'll, I'll maybe do a, do a little internet Google search, see if I can find somebody. I don't but, know who that would be. Yeah. I don't know. They're hard to find, <laughs> but you know, kudos. They were, they were gorgeous. Say what you want about the humble Broncos, but that was, those were gorgeous jerseys. Uh, I want to throw one thing out because when you see sort of a family, uh, atmosphere around the league right players families yeah. coming down it it, it it it's what this game means it's the grassroots their kids are now you know everything they've worked for playing junior a hockey the work is still yet to come to get you know collegiate direct west commitments and whatnot but landon stromey i just want to throw this out for the night that his family had on mm -hmm. saturday so landon scores his first career sjhl goal right in the Weyburn Red Wings it was the first goal of the game for the Broncos tied it at 1-1 he gets named the player of the game after the game the Broncos give away an autograph stick to the fan of the game right who they draw a name to the fan of the game that ended up being Landon's younger brother Jace and then his mother wins the 50-50 in the arena so already that's a pretty good night. And then the Broncos are having their shootout auction over the weekend. And guess who wins the shootout auction on Saturday night? Yeah, it sounds rigged, Rory. Landon Stromey. <laughs> it, was, it was just a nice weekend for the whole Stromey family, yeah, of course, of Choiceland, Saskatchewan, one of the young 04 birth years in this league. 
Uh, and yeah, everything was going the Stromies ways. And I think they went out and bought a lottery ticket after the game to see how far they could take the train. And, uh, <laughs> but well, again, everything was coming up Stromy on that night. And I thought that's a fun little story. You know, there, there's a couple of uh, 04s in this league, youngsters in this league. You know, you think about, uh, you know, Ethan Hilbig in, uh, in Kindersley and Austin Elliott and, you, you know, uh, Stromy and in, in Humboldt. You know, the, the list kind of goes on. A couple of these guys, you know, I'd love to see their birth certificates to prove that they're, though, the age that they say they are. Like, Hilbig and Kindersley is just enormous. <laughs> He's a big like, boy. Can you imagine if he was still playing U18? Like, yeah. he would just kill somebody. So, you know, you know, again, Stromy again, grow a full beard, whatever. He's 17. Yeah, you might Good have for a nice uh, night. In the growth. <laughs> hey, not nice night for the Stromies. Good stuff. That's your, that's your Sask Lotteries weekend recap as uh, navigating through another SJHL weekend that was. And, of course, we'll look forward to what's coming up later on in the show in your CEA Road Report. But first, we'll take a break. And when we come back, it's Tad Cozen of the Nippon Hawks next on SJ Noon. Welcome back to SJ at Noon. Rory McGorn and the Nugs along with you and very happy to welcome in for your Capital Auto Coaches Talk, the head coach of the Nippawin Hawks, Tad Cozen. Tad, thanks so much for taking the time on uh, on your Sunday and joining us here on SJ at Noon. No, it's good to have me. Thanks for having me. So, Tad, um, obviously where I want to start is kind of where you started with the Nippawin Hawks this season. Your first year as the assistant coach, I'm assuming it's been a whirlwind of a year for yourself, but just initially, of course, the Hawks decide to part ways with longtime tenured head coach Doug Johnson, and you get put into that fold, a ravaged fan base. We all know how it is in Nipwin. Initially, how was that adjustment jumping up into the head coaching role when really you only had about half a season to kind of get adjusted to the assistant coaching position? Um, like you said, it, it, it's been a whirlwind. Um, when everything kind of was happening there, you don't really know what to expect. And you kind of just jump in with both feet and, and, and take it with stride. Um, growing up here, playing here, um, you know, obviously moving back, back to live here now. It's, uh, you know, something that I didn't, you know, didn't know if it ever happened when, when Doug was here. He's been here for a long time. And yeah. um, it's, it's one of those things where you, you want to help out any way you can. So you, you take it in stride and, and you jump in with both feet and, and, uh, Make sure you don't have any regrets of, you know, sitting back at, at one point and saying, you know, I wish I would have done this or would have done this. It's just go in with, you know, take everything that I've learned over the years of playing and, and from the coaches that I had and, and kind of blend it all together and, and kind of make it your own. Were you taken aback at all by the news of them letting go of Doug Johnson? I mean, uh, you know, he's had a lot of success, but uh, with the board, with the team, the community, the team wasn't where they expect to be. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, everybody was kind of caught off, you know, everybody was caught by surprise by it. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was one of those situations where, you know, he was my coach when I was here. Um, we were always in contact. I was, you know, would skate with them before going down and playing pro and stuff where uh, I was given the opportunity to come back to be an assistant coach in my hometown, which is, is pretty cool. Um, be, being able to come home and, and do that and kind of, figure out what next next in life after playing and it was a situation where I've always wanted to, to try coaching and it's uh, obviously turned out to be a pretty good decision of where I am now but uh, it's uh, it, it was just one of those things of um, it def definitely a lot of surprise. 
Yeah, and, and now that you've had, you know, a little bit of time to get your feet wet under the head coaching role, I'm assuming what you learned from the assistant coaching when you were there for that, you know, the first few months, you, you transitioned into it. But how have you felt now that you've had some time to kind of acclimate yourself to the ins and outs of, of coaching in the SJHL, not just playing, which you had 147 games with the Hawks, but how have you felt that this time has gone now acclimating to the head coaching role? It's been good. Last, uh, I've had some conversations with obviously like the rest of our staff and um, the last few weeks since uh, everything's kind of gone back to, it feels normal now. Yeah. Um, I guess I would say is when we're, when we're watching games or um, on the bench now, it's uh, I can really pick up on stuff, um, you know, from watching the game instead of it just being so chaotic of, you know, who's your next line out, what's going on in the game, <laughs> kind of just managing everything with uh, how chaotic it's been. But uh, I'm, it's starting to get a lot more comfortable now um, where I'm starting to, you know, you can notice more things. It's, it's easier to be in the game, knowing what's kind of going on instead of, you know, just your mind racing all the time of making sure everything's in order and all that stuff. So it, it's definitely getting used to it now. And uh, I feel a lot more comfortable back there. And absolutely. And, and you mentioned it was a whirlwind. But I mean, now that you you're saying that you're getting a little bit used to it, are you having fun doing it? Absolutely. Um, I know. I I love playing. Um, something I always did. It wasn't. Uh, you know, when I when I took this job, I knew I was going to like it. But uh, for how much uh, how much fun I'm having now, it's it's awesome. I love going to the rink every day. I like hanging out with the guys. I, I like being able to uh, you know help them get where they want to go. Um, some guys on this team are going to go on to, you know, play pro hockey. Some guys are just going to play junior hockey and, and that's it. And that's totally fine. Everybody has their own way of, of going about things. And um, I, I love being a part of that and helping these kids in any way I can. And I, I, like I said, I just love going to the rink every day. There's, there's no more joy than going to the rink and be able to step on the ice and be on the ice every day with these guys and helping them any way I can. Is it extra special to be doing it with the team that, you know, got you started in your junior career? Of course, you went on to success in NCAA, the ECHL, pro hockey. But does it mean something a little more to go back to where the roots were planted? Absolutely. Um, being able to do this in your hometown where, you know, my parents live, uh, my fiance is from, my grandparents are here, a lot of families here. And Nippon's a small town. Everybody kind of knows everybody. So, getting back there, you know, the fans are still the same as when I played. It's, you know, the season yeah. takes over. It's, uh, it, it's pretty cool to be able to do this in your hometown. And I, I couldn't imagine doing it with, you know, many other organizations um, that, you know, you have the, the rivalries with. And, you know, obviously uh, when you play and, and you're a fan of this team growing up, it's uh, it, it's pretty special to be able to do this in your hometown. And, uh, you know, I want to make sure I make, the, make this town and this organization proud. Yeah, you know what? You mentioned that some of the season ticket holders are the same. The Nippon fan base is as passionate as any. Uh, of course, you found yourself heading into the trade deadline in sort of a mindset to, I don't want to call it restock, um, but you definitely went younger, right? You definitely went younger. You acquired Trey Fouquet from McKellen Couture. You sent uh, Austin Schaub, another 20-year-old, to Kindersley for Brendan Lee, a young defenseman, good blue liner product. Uh, brought in a couple of young pieces. What was sort of the pitch like to the board and the fan base in saying, hey, look, uh, we're not where we want to be, but I think it could be quick to get us to where we want to be in the, in the short future. Yeah. Obviously, if you look at the standings, we're obviously chasing a playoff spot. Sure. The, the top teams are the top teams this year in this league, and um, I just felt that we, we needed to get younger. You know, we did get younger, but I think we also – 
got better with uh, with the trades that we made. We obviously looked at rebuilding our blue line a little bit, um, and I think we accomplished that pretty well with, with the the moves that we've made. Um, obviously, a um, couple other moves, you know, just try to change it up a little bit. We weren't where we wanted to be, and a um, little bit of change is, is never a bad thing. It kind of puts a little bit of a shock through the dressing room of, you know, we're here to do a job, and if, if you're not going to do the job, then, you know, there's other people out there that are going to do it. And it's, it's not a threat to the guys. It's, it's, you've got to bring that consistency every single night where if, if you want to be a player, it's consistency. If you, if you look at the guys that continue to play and continue to move on, there's no nights off. And if there's a night off, it's one in every 10 or every 20 games. And then, you know, they live with that. But if you, if you look at the guys that, that make it as those third and fourth liners, and I'm not saying we're all third and fourth liners, but those guys can have a night off or, you know, they're sent down to sure. the minors or, or there's people ready to replace them. There's, I always tell the guys, if, if, if you think you're working hard enough, there's people out there that are working harder than you to get where you, where, where you are or where they want to go. Um, so it was, you know, we got younger, but I also think we think we got better where um, it, it was kind of, it's kind of a weird year with all the COVID stuff and, you know, everything kind of going on where you look at our 19 year old, they had four or five games, you know, six games played last year of, of junior A experience. It's uh, you know, it, it's tough on them. So, being able to make those moves was, uh, was really nice. And, uh, you know, I, I still like where we're going. Um, you know, it, it was part of the, part of our process that, uh, obviously when I took over of making sure that, that we can help this team going forward, but also for this year. And I, and I feel like we, we accomplished that by helping us this year and also going into the future. Absolutely. And now when you look at the roster, there's only three 20 year olds or 2001 born players. Not sure if any of them have turned 21 this year, early in the year, but uh, then you have 1103s, you got 404s. Do you feel now with that, you, that collective group of, of youth moving in to the future that the Nipwood Hawks are poised for success down the road? For sure. Um, anytime you can get younger and, uh, you know, develop those guys into, uh, you know, into their class of, you know, the play together and grow up together. It's nice. It's uh, doesn't matter where you are. Anytime you, you can grow with a group of players going forward for as many years as you can. It, it's always nice to, to have the familiarity and um, maybe you develop a really good chemistry with a couple of guys and you can be on a line together. Some of these guys will become your best friends. Um, yeah. you, you move away from home and some of these guys will, will be in each other's wedding parties and, you know, friends for life. And you just never know where it's going to take you. You know, I, we always talk about, you know, you got to move away from home. It's the sacrifice. It's the commitment that you put into this, that, you know, going to the grind with these guys every single day, it, it just makes you appreciate them that much more. And it, it's something where um, when you're younger, that uh, if you can embrace the grind with each other, it's going to pay off in the long run. Uh, one of the players I just want to single out, it's one of your young ones. It's the goaltender, Harmon Laser Hume. Of course, when people talk about young goalies in the league, right, the, uh, James Venn comes up, Kale DePape comes up from Yorkton. But when you watch Harmon and his game, also might have one of the coolest names in the SJHL as well. But uh, do you think he should be in that conversation? His numbers may not speak it, but when you watch his game and when he's on, do you think he should be in the conversation of one of the best, brightest young goaltenders in the league? I would think so. Obviously, we brought him in, um, I, I think it was in November. Um, I can't there's been, we've had a lot of player movement, a lot of oh, things. Oh man, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but no, for sure. When, when he's on, he, he, he can be very, very good. Um, it's uh, we've got a good one, two punch here, or, you know, I wouldn't even say a one, two punch. It, it, it's a one, a one B kind of situation here right now where anytime one of our goalies is on, they, they give us a chance to win. 
um, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's going to be that going forward where you look at any, any teams. Now you, you need to have those couple goalies because they do get fatigued um, and playing a lot of hockey games, especially in junior where it's back-to-back -back nights or, you know, we're getting into the four and fives and, you look at our February schedule with all the council games, it's a ton of hockey where you need, you, you need your two goalies going, but he, he's definitely in that conversation of he, he's taken major strides this year of, you know, starting in junior B and, and coming in here and doing a job of, you know, really pushing chase for, for that net. And it's uh, it's always a healthy thing when, when you got, you know, your two goalies pushing each other and they want to be in the net as much as they do. And it, it creates that competitive balance and, uh, you know, gives our guys confidence. Joined by Tad Cozen, head coach of the Nipwood Hawks. Uh, Tad, your route went through the Hawks, of course. We talked about that. And then it went through the collegiate ranks in uh, the University of Alaska Anchorage into the ECHL. When you're coaching your players now and, you know, with the path you've been on, what can you preach about that route that if that's what interests them can really set them up for future success? If, you know, you, you keep your options open, and, you know, you, you never shut a door on, say, collegiate hockey. Um, it, it's, it's the work never stops. If, uh, if you think, you know, kind of like I said before, if you think you're working hard, you've got to work harder. Mm -hmm. If, if you're going you're gonna to take a day off, there's someone else that isn't taking the day off. And they're going to do it every single day. Um, it, 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 it's not easy getting, getting there. It's, it's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of time. And it's a lot of sacrifice looking back on it now. Um, you know, now that I'm in this role is I wouldn't change anything um, and never take anything for granted. Um, you might be given an opportunity where you think you're going to come in and, and do this, do that. And the world's promised you, but it, it's what you do with your opportunity. Um, if you get an opportunity, you've got to capitalize on it because if you, if you don't, then you, you got to wait for your next one. You don't know when that next one's coming. You know, it's, mm. it's, I've known guys that have, have signed NHL contracts, signed AHL contracts and, they just hope and hope and hope for that they get their chance and then just never do. And then they go down and they do really well. And then they finally get the chance. Yeah. You just never know when your chances come. Make sure you take full advantage of it. And don't take it for granted because um, it's, there's a lot of hockey players out there. And uh, if you don't take advantage of your, your opportunity, or your chance, then, you know, you're going to be waiting a long time for your next one and, and it might never come. And it's one of those things of always, always be ready, always be working and, and, uh, Make, make sure you're ready for to take to seize that opportunity. Dad, thanks for joining us so much. Of course, some sad news in the Nipwood Hawks organization, the stalwart in the arena and the dressing room, uh, you know, Nipwood Hart fandom on his heart, on his sleeve. But the passing of Joel Verklin uh, just a, a couple of days ago, what did he mean to the organization? Who was he as a person? And, um, you know, it's a tough thing for a team. So just what are you guys trying to do to rally around uh, what was the passing of way, way too young. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it was very sad news. Um, he's, uh, he was the same age as my, my little brother. Um, so Goobs, he started around, um, I'm going to say 2011 when he started really coming to the rink all the time, uh, in our dressing room, you know, obviously he, his family's been billets since, uh, I'm going to say it, it's a long time, mm -hmm. a long, long time where guys watched him grow up. Um, you look at some of the, you know, talking with some of the guys that have lived there, um, he meant the world to them. Um, you'd come home and he'd always give you fist bumps and he'd ask you a question. He'd remember it no matter what, always know where your family is. And he was just knowing around the, around the town so well of, um, you know, he could put a smile on your face. It didn't matter what kind of day you're having. He could put a smile on your face and 
Um, anytime you thought you were having a bad day, you know, he'd show up and, and be happy as can be to be at the rink and, um, you know, just to chat with you. And um, the things that he remembered was, pr was pr pretty good for uh, obviously for who he was. Um, he meant, like I said, he meant a lot to this town of, you know, he was working at the local co-op. You, you'd go to get groceries and you'd walk by him and he'd know your name right away and give you a fist yeah. bump and ask you how you're doing. And uh, his family's done a lot for the Nippon Hawks, um, you know, in the past and they still do they're obviously you know still billeting to, to the day and um it's uh, it, it's uh, it was very sad news of his passing and we're going to make sure that we uh we celebrate the life that he had um it's uh, obviously sad that way but you want to make sure everybody knows who he was and, and how important he was to, to this community and to our organization of uh you know he loved the hawks through and through and um he would have done anything to for the guys in that dressing room and uh you know, he, he was, uh, he was remembered, uh, you know, if you look at our Facebook post, I can't even think of how many comments are on there now, but last I looked, there was 300 and some, um, yeah. this goes to show you of, of what he meant to this organization, this community. And I know, uh, he worked very closely with our trainer, Emma Galloway. And, um, you know, it, uh, it was very sad news of, you know, him just coming in and folding towels or filling water bottles or, you know, picking up pucks at practice. It was, uh, it was definitely appreciated all the time. And it, it was a lot of fun having him around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course, our condolences from it from here to your organization, your players. We hope everything, everyone's doing well. And yeah, we know yourself and your players, the organization, as they always do, will carry on uh, Goobs's memory and 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 who he was as a person uh, with the Hawks as, as long as you go. For sure. Yeah, uh, you know, we got some stickers. I know it's it's out there. We got some stickers on our helmets now. And and put it in the dress room and then uh, the rest of it will take care of itself, obviously with the news, you know, so, so soon it's uh, yeah. you know, obviously there's more stuff in the works, but uh, once that gets final, as obviously everybody find out, but we just want to make sure that, you know, like we said, he, he's memory memoried for what he is and for what he was. And uh, you know, obviously it's a very special place in, in everybody's heart here in Nippon. And uh, it obviously means a lot. And uh, you know, feel feel terrible but uh we want to make sure he's remembered for who he was and and make sure he's not forgotten in our organization absolutely dad thank you so much for joining us uh wish you nothing but success down the road with the nipple win hawks and uh yeah have, have a great rest of the season in your inaugural head coaching year thanks there was tad cozen with your capital auto coaches talk of the nipple win hawks we'll take a break and bring back matt pacenti of the kindersley clippers next on sj noon Welcome back to SJ at noon. Big thanks to Nipwood Hawks head coach and GM Tad Cozen for joining us. And now very pleased to welcome in one of the premier goaltenders in the SJHL, Matt Pacenti of the Kindersley Clippers with your Super U player profile. Matt, thanks for joining us. How are things going? Hey, thanks for having me on. Um, things are going pretty well. Just kind of, you know, uh, unfortunately not playing games right now, but um, just kind of waiting for things to get back going again here in Kindersley, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a wild season, right. To say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, throughout last year when we recorded all these shows, it was tough generating questions because no one was playing. Now you are playing, right? I mean, with the Kindersley Clippers, you've been a little bit of a journeyman, of course, throughout your SJHL career as well. How has this season gone? It's your final year of junior hockey. You got the Clippers right back into a playoff spot. I have to think that there's just, it's a lot of fun being the starting goaltender for a Clippers team right now. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, the season's obviously had some ups and downs as any season does, but uh, we've got a really great group of guys here in Kindersley and, uh, you know, I think our team's really trending in the right direction. So um, definitely not a lot to complain about and um, just hoping we can kind of keep rolling as it goes on. Yeah, Matt uh, Pazenti joining us here on SJ Noon. Matt, you think, Matt, thank you so much uh, for your time. A little bit sick of uh, watching you play goalie. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. For those that don't know, I call games for the Notre Dame Hounds. Obviously, everybody knows that. Matt Pazenti keeps roasting the Notre Dame Hounds, and I would appreciate <laughs> it if you could calm down again. I'm just kidding, Matt. I'm just kidding. Uh, I got to ask you, you know, first bit of the year, a bit of a slow start for you, I guess, on the ice, but. Uh, I think you were out for a while with an illness and injury. Not sure what the detail is. You don't have to share if you don't want to. But, uh, you know, what was the switch that was maybe flicked? Because, you know, since you've come back, I guess December, maybe something like that, you've been absolutely on en fuego. So what, what happened? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I don't think that numbers necessarily always tell the whole story. And I don't know if um, – you know, the slow statistical start was necessarily indicative of how I was playing. I think that, um, you know, I obviously, as the season goes on, you tweak different things and try to improve. And I think that, you know, I've tried to do that. And some things have, obviously, I've tried to get better in my game. But um, I think that at the start of the year, kind of just a little bit of bad luck, a little different things, you know, we're trying to figure stuff out and I don't know if you know I never really tried to lose confidence in my game even though you know um mm -hmm. things statistically weren't looking so hot but I think just kind of you know we've our team has done a great job um you know being doing a really good job of cleaning things up and giving me a lot of you know limiting the high quality scoring chances and putting me in a position to succeed and you know um, that in combination with me trying to improve different things in practice working with my goalie coach trying to see kind of um, what needs improvement but just a combination of all those things has kind of led to things turning around a little bit but um, yeah not much else to say uh, I think that just a combination of all those factors kind of have mm -hmm played a part in you know our our team kind of turning things around as well as like you know me personally kind of starting to look a little bit better as the season goes on yeah for sure Matt. and again one of the things i want to ask you kind of along that line is you mentioned that you know the the team was putting you in some better positions to succeed i think you know there must have been a point i guess where ken plack when your coach and gm said you know let's get our decor to be maybe a little bit more veteran, a little bit more experienced. And, um, you know, I think about the teams in the league that maybe have reworked their decor quite a lot over the course of the year in terms of trades and moving guys and, and whatnot. And I think about yours, you know, not too many guys on that decor are back, you know, are, are still here rather from the beginning. Uh, so what's that been like for you as a goalie, you know, to see a few more older guys and also have to, you know, communicate differently with new guys and, everything like that, you know, just what have you been seeing in front of you in terms of, you know, connecting with a new group of defensemen? Yeah. Um, I mean, the guys we had earlier were great as well. Um, we, you know, I think we've had a solid 
decor all season and um, the new guys we've brought in have obviously been terrific for us. But um, yeah, it's been definitely important trying to kind of talk to the guys in practice and, uh, you know, in intermissions at games and stuff, trying to kind of figure out different guys' tendencies and what kind of, you know, what they like um, to do defensively and them trying to, you know, help me out and um, put me in positions to do well and by, you know, trying to take away what I, you know, um, what I find is the hardest to stop and stuff like that. But definitely the guys that have come in have done a phenomenal job of, um, you know, just generally putting our team in a good position. Where, where do you put the, uh, the emphasis? Because you're only one of four 20 year olds on the team, one of four Oh one birth years, right? You mentioned your decor at the start of the year was young and now it's kind of been retooled. So, I mean, as a veteran goaltender, a guy who's played a lot of games, you've seen a lot of styles coming at you. How vocal do you have to be as a netminder when a, you have a young defense core to start and now you have new defensemen after the trade deadline? Yeah. I mean, off the ice, it's always important to, you know, just keep that communication going and try to, you know, see what works for our team. But, uh, on the ice, definitely the on-ice communication is huge. And um, a lot of the mishaps in games generally tend to happen when there is a, either a lack of communication or some kind of miscommunication. But I think that um, our team has all done a really good job of both those things and trying to, you know, um, really make sure we're all on the same page on and off the ice. The Kindersley Clippers have been on a roll as of late, and you fought back into the eighth-place playoff spot. We know that the intensity picks up following the Christmas break. It picks up even more as we're heading into the playoffs right now. Where is the balance for you? Because i got to imagine that it's got to be a blast having all these games with the intensity as it is, knowing that all the points matter. But how do you kind of balance that intensity with you know having fun and just enjoying these moments that these games matter right now. Yeah, um, I think that if you're not having fun, then, you know, it. hockey's a game sport, you know, yeah. it's meant to be fun. And so I really enjoy that kind of intensity that comes with like the more, the higher pressure games. And as yeah. the season goes on, the and I think a lot of the guys on our team do, and that's part of the reason for our success kind of later in the season. So I think that, um it's part of it is just enjoying that you know as the season gets on it's more intense and there's more uh the details become more important and everything kind of really everything becomes more important and staying focused and all that so um i think that they come hand in hand uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah we're, i'm gonna put you on the spot matt you're a veteran i know you can take it so here we go. I'm going to put you right on the spot. There's Boston below us. There's Race Ramsey. You know, there's Cal Shell. There's, there's these outstanding 20-year-old goalies, you know, veteran goalies in this league. And obviously we throw Joel Favreau and Melford in the mix. He's an 0-2, I know. But again, veteran goalies in this league. Where do you fit? Are you the top of those 0-1s? Are you in the middle of the 0-1s? Are you in the mix? You know, where do you, where do you kind of see yourself you know, when the Zoom is not off between you, me, and Rory, nobody else. <laughs> um, 
you know, I kind of try to avoid thinking of it that <laughs> way, I guess, because I think that um, for me, I'm just more focused on my own improvements and not really stacking myself up against the other guys. But those are, you know, obviously a lot of phenomenal goalies. So it's, it's really tough to kind of gauge one from another. It could depend on the night, you know, um, mm -hmm. race Ramsey, I've, uh, played with and against since, you know, I was seven years old. And so I've watched him a lot and, uh, he's phenomenal. So I definitely think that, um, you know, watching him play a lot, he's definitely up there. And then the other guys, um, they're all, they all have their own things that they do really well. So it's just, it's really tough to gauge. <laughs> we, we, I think Nugsy had to expect that a modest answer was coming out of you when he asked you to rank yourself among the SJHL goaltenders. <laughs> but among the league, when you talk to the broadcasters, uh, you should know that you are heralded up among the top with the rest of them. Uh, just to, you know, give you a little a little insight about what other people think about your game we want we want you to be a friend of the show we don't want you to be like <laughs> i hate those guys you know <laughs> thanks i appreciate um, it uh, matt you know it's your junior career or the last year of your junior career here right 20 year old season with the kinders and clippers what are some goals that you set for yourself sort of moving forward what, what would you like to do are you planning on continuing your hockey career if an opportunity presents itself is that something that's a goal of yours uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, you're trying to find a balance between um, focusing on the season at hand, but also, you know, if you want to aim high so that um, you can continue to succeed. Um, so for me, it's kind of, I'm not trying to think about that too much right now, trying to kind of stay focused on the season, but for sure. Uh, obviously, I love the game of hockey. So if there is an opportunity that presents itself after the season, I would definitely love to uh, take a hold of that. Absolutely. Matt, appreciate your time so much. Uh, once again, Kindersley Clippers, I can't imagine how fun it is to play right now when all these games matter. Eighth place uh, in the playoffs right now and on a roll. But thank you so much for joining us. Wish you the best, the best down the road. Thank you. I appreciate having me on. There was Matt Presenti, the Kindersley Clippers goaltender with your Super U player profile. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll have a little buy it or sell it, and your CEA road report next on SJ at Noon. Welcome back to SJ at Noon. Rory McGoran, the Nugs, with you as we recap your SJHL week that was. Big thanks to Tad Kozin, the head coach and GM of the Nipwin Hawks, for joining us with your Capital Auto Coaches Talk. And then, of course, most recently, Matt Pacenti, goaltender for the Kindersley Clippers on your Super U player profile. Nugsy, it is time right now for buy it or sell it. Of course, if you missed today's episode or if you don't have the video capabilities, you can get the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Apple Music. You can take us in the car with you, Nugsy, and listen on your road trips to SJHL games. How about that? That's what, yo, that's awesome. I, I try to play it at the intermissions of my games and, or just put it in the background while you're reading, doing some homework, getting some supper. We have lots of suggestions for you. Where are you, you can... a, are you a podcast guy? I love a podcast. Yeah. You? So do I. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, usually when I'm showering, podcast. Oh. Yeah. 
and then in the car on long drives. Yeah, you know, when in I the come car. When I come see you on on Mondays in Regina, uh, I, that's when we pop them on. That's when SJ at noon gets the replay and reevaluation mm. about how we did. Nice, nice, <laughs> love it. Let's get let's get to buy it or sell it. And with the year wrapping up, we can kind of start to tease some of the awards. I know we did our half year awards a few weeks ago on the episode. Hey, if you missed it, go check out the podcast. But <laughs> but now, uh, Coach of the Year is one that I believe we left out when we did that. So let's just throw it into a buy it or sell. And the buy it or sell question is that Scott Barney, the Humboldt Broncos, is the front runner right now for Coach of the Year. Right. Uh, well, so I'm going to buy it, say he's the front runner. But that being said, he's not who I'd vote for right, right now, Rory. I would vote for Braden Flamosco. And I did back then. I think we might have talked about it. But uh, I, what he's gotten out of the Battleford's North Stars roster, obviously he's got Kesslering, he's got Issa, he's got great leadership, number one, incredible leadership. Michael Harash has been great in that. But they get the most out of that roster. So for me right now, it's the Battleford's North Stars. And really? Yeah, I, di I didn't expect – we were talking about this off camera. Were you just leaving it up to, a, like, to blow me away or something? I mean uh – we know how good of a coach Klamasco is, but you did not, you didn't even hint at Klamasco when we were talking about gotta this. Gotta keep air. the people guessing, Rory. <laughs> and you gotta keep you guessing. Um, I'm gonna buy it. I, I think it's inarguable that he's not the front runner, right? Um, is it going to be a win at the end of the season? Yet to be determined. But it's the team in first place with the most penalty minutes, the most goals. They have the leading score, the leading rookie, most wins in a goaltender. Uh you know, their defense is experienced, their goaltenders experience, but they're doing it with some younger players, 03 McGrath and Perkins and Cage Newins, another 03. Uh, so, you know, there's some youth movement there, 204s with Perkins and Stromi we mentioned. But I think you need to have Mike Rooney in the conversation. I think you need to have Kevin Kaminsky in the conversation. Uh, what Melville did in the middle of the year, trading away their veterans. And if, if they get into the playoffs, I think now it's a two-horse race between Scott Barney and Mike Rooney. Uh, I, th I think they've both done exceptional jobs. You know, you're always going to get Mike Reagan and Trevor Blevins in the conversation. You're always going to get them with some votes. But, uh, you know, I kind of look at it as on the ice and off the ice product. I think what the Broncos did retooling this team, everyone expected them to be a favorite last year out of COVID year got shut down. Uh, they're a lot younger this year, especially up front, but they found a way to generate the most offense in the league. And then Mike Rooney with all the trades he made went exceptionally younger and his team has bought in and they've been great since then. So those are the two factors I put in uh, to have Barney and Rooney right now, one, two punch, mm -hmm. but the cabinet is that Melville has to get into the playoffs in order for Rooney to be there. Yeah, you know what, and that's the thing, like for, for me between Melville and then again throwing in Braden Klamosko is, you know, again, Battlefords is, is pretty young too, and uh, they rely on, you know, Tynan Ewart again an 2 Mel yeah. Humboldt has 404-01 uh, defensemen. The defensemen are veteran. Absolutely. Like, so, and, and race Ramsey in that. So it's a thing too where, you know, again, are we talking about executive of the year? And in that case, obviously, Scott Barney loves making moves and does a great job of it. And again, coaches really well, too. I'm not criticizing his coaching, but certainly there's a lot of that element to it. And I think Braden Klamosko has gotten a lot out of the roster that he and Gary Childerhose 
already put together. So that's sort of, again, you could, it's all about how you look at it. Um, and Mike Rooney, again, has done a great job. The biggest thing Mike Rooney has done, Rory, is he's gotten his guys to buy into what he's preaching. And that is so hard. And especially, well, in every day and age, I don't care. People back in the all oh, back in the day, kids this and coaches that and old school coaches, yada, yada, yada. I, I, I think that's a little bit bunk to some degree. I think it's always been tough for coaches to get kids to, to buy in and listen and do what the coach wants them to do. And the Melville Millionaires, when they're playing, you know, their system, they're playing disciplined. We've talked about how few times they've taken penalties this year to the Millionaires. Um, they, they play tough, too, at the same time. So, again, walking that line, Mike Rooney deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, and just like you're getting every year with the parity amongst the teams when they yeah. go up against each other, uh, it's the same to go with coaches. Yeah. There's a lot of, of candidates that would be very warranted in winning this award at the end of the year, uh, but only one's going to do it. Yeah, great point, Rory. Like We're really, really lucky in this league, blessed in this league, to have all the coaches. You know, you and I have dealt with them all, and they're such great guys, too, like to deal with. Uh, and we're not just saying that curry favor like all 12 of them are are, are pleasure to deal with and uh, and they they're such great coaching in this league that's why there's parody a big part of it right is because one to 12 like they all pretty much know what they're doing so it's really good uh the melford mustangs we continue along with buy it or sell it should their fan base be worried or here we'll put it in a buy it or sell it terms their fan base should be worried <laughs> <laughs> about how streaky they are heading into the playoffs mm. I wrestled with this uh, wrestled this this question, thinking about it at, since since uh, I suggested it in our in our pregame meeting. Um, should they be concerned? No, they shouldn't be concerned. I think you know again, it's just been bizarre circumstances, injuries, things like that. You know, you talk to Ben Tkachuk, their captain, the fire in his eyes and the fire in his heart to compete and win, and that pervades a lot of this Melford Mustangs team. Trevor Blevins talked about the great coaching in this league. He's one of the best, if not the best in the league so again I, i'm saying i'm selling it i'm saying they shouldn't be concerned i'm saying it'll be fine as long as you know joel favreau gets back to health and fitness uh yeah i i'm just on the fence on this one i think they shouldn't be concerned in the first round because because you know their five game losing streak what if they play uh, battleford's or <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm, every, everything is every team is going to be a tough out no matter who you line up against but yeah. what what i recently most saw was after their 10 game winning streak they played teams above them and lost four straight well that's going to get you kicked out of the playoffs but your 10 game winning streak is going to get you down through two rounds of yeah. the playoffs right so should they be concerned of the streakiness no probably not but um you know it's you're gonna want to pick up a couple wins in the closing games of the season against the teams ahead of you. It's just a confidence builder uh, for the team and the fan base too. But no, no, I'm going to yeah. sell it. They, they shouldn't be concerned. The Melford Mustangs are and always will be this year among the cream of the crop in the SJHL and are capable of beating any team in the playoffs. I tell you what, Rory, I'd feel a lot better about being uh, concerned or not with the Melford Mustangs if Hayden Tuba and Kevin Minock were healthy. Uh, unfortunately, Hayden Tuba is not going to be healthy the rest of this year is what I'm hearing, and I believe it's okay that I say that. Um, if he's not coming back, then it doesn't make much of a difference. But, again, Trevor Blevins can coach anybody to do anything, I feel like. So, we'll see. That'll be great. The playoffs are going to be awesome, Mark. I tell you what, right now, if, you know, 
we'll go to our final question and what a playoff series this would be. But let's, again, buy or sell a term. The LaRange Ice Wolves are the team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs in the first round. Buy it or sell it. Yeah, I am buying and I am buying and I am buying and I am buying. Because again, you know, whatever is ailing Xavier Cannon that he's in and out of the lineup, you think playoff time, like he'll be in. So there's one. Two is at least three of your games you need to play at the Mel Hagland Arena. And that place has some crazy, crazy monkey business with the boards and the ice. And there's bounces. And that team plays their hearts out all year long so they're used to it. Um, again, all the weapons they have up front, Aaron Gray eyes, you know, Brendan, Brendan Della Polera, you know, Walker Jerome has been really good in the second half. You kind of go down the list. They've got some real good pieces. They added in Couture we talked about, yeah. you know, Webb has been great. So you go down the list, you know, it, again, it's, it's no fun. And especially going into LaRange where, you know, let's call a spade a spade. You have to drive forever to get there. That's another element. Yeah, I'm going to buy it as well. I, I think what they did to retool the blue line has been exceptional. I still think they have the heart and soul players, the Holden Knights, the Aaron Gray eyes, uh, the list goes on there. Underrated Gavin, uh, Maddie, yeah, yeah. well, uh, you know, can score with the best of them, but often gets overlooked when talking about the league's best goal scorers. And you mentioned Cannon, but don't count out Dawson Smith, who's won his last four games. Uh, if he's finding his game, maybe if Cannon can't go, they do got a capable goaltender as well. But mm. again, you mentioned it. The travel, the Mel Hagland Arena, the LaRange Ice Wolves fans, and the way that they play is playoff yeah. hockey, and you yeah. do not want to go up against that. Yeah, it's physical. They play hard, and it doesn't take, you know, there's not a lot of space to avoid getting crushed by Holden Knights, and he will crush you, uh, as a lot of those large ice holes will, but there's few guys in the league that hit like Holden Knights can too. And once again, it's, I mean, you hope that the gods kind of align these yeah. teams that if LaRange passes Yorkton, you're not yeah. only getting Yorkton Estevan, but you're getting LaRange Flinflon in the first round. Oh. <laughs> It might need some police uh, protection. Right? protection but how great would that opening series oh. be? Not only, you know, Esteban Yorkton, fantastic. But I mean, even one tier above is Larange Flintlock. I, you know, you know what? Like, I don't think, I don't think there'll be too many misses. You know, regardless, like, um, you know, the, it, it, it'll be fun. The, the parody in this league, we talked about the great coaching, the talent. Uh, this league is awesome, and the playoffs are just going to be another. Another level off, but those that that is very tantalizing. That's a great point, yeah, Gloria. Yeah. Those, those those two matchups, love it. That was our fun game of buy it or sell it. Of course, uh, you can comment along with uh, what you think. Coach of the year, toughest team going to the playoffs. Uh, you know, the Melfort Mustangs. Is there streakiness something to kind of put a spotlight on heading into the final month of the SJHL season? Uh, you know, all of our sponsors are great on this show. Of course, Mayfair Diagnostics is always wants your, your health, physical, your mental health to be at the forefront of everyone's thoughts as it should be. So big thanks to them as always. And your CAA road report is what we look ahead to in the SJHL coming up this week. And you mentioned that off air again, news, you said February is just going to be insane due to all the makeup games getting slotted everywhere. Well, this week, no different tomorrow on Tuesday, we got four games on Tuesday and then three games on Wednesday. So already seven games before you head into a weekend that's already filled with, I believe, 11 or 12 games on Friday or Saturday. 
So uh, what are you looking forward to? I know you mentioned the Battle for its North Stars because they're coming out of their break. And so far, every team that's come out of their break has had a really successful run. The Flint Flon Bombers did. The LaRange Ice Wolves are on one right now. Estevan Bruins as well. So we'll see if Battlefords can come out. But how about the tall task that lies in front of them? What is yeah. it? Humble, LaRange, and Melfort this week for the North Stars? Yeah, they got uh, Humboldt on the Tuesday uh, and LaRange on the Saturday. They got Yorkton coming up, Melford on the Friday. So, yeah, it, it, you're a great point. What do coaches always say, right, when it's busy, thick of the schedule? We got no time to practice. We got no time to practice. Well, they got time to practice. They got time to get their injured players back. You know, everybody's bumps and bruises healed up just a little bit. Um, again, so that kind of explains it a little bit. But, uh, you know, again, Gary Childerhose, Braden Klamosko, there are a few guys in the league that can fire a team up like those two. So, uh, you know, I, again, Battlefords is the, the matchups that I have an eye on. And, you know, every week we say maybe the playoff picture will be a little bit more clear once this week is over. And obviously we have that top clump and then the battle for the bottom of the of the playoffs and it's kind of become two packs in a lot of ways. But, uh, man, the, it's, all getting, uh, it's all getting murkier and murkier. <laughs> <laughs> Big yeah. thanks to Chad Cosen and the Nipwood Hawks for joining us, as well as Matt Pacenti of the Kindersley Clippers. And again, Nugzi, uh, it's been great having hockey back this whole season. We keep on saying that, but how about the February we're about to have? Oh, man, I need some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to, uh, you know, I can't wait to, to see what it's all going to shake down. Like 1 to 11 could still make the playoffs really yeah. in this league, Rory. So, you know, it's going to be crazy and lots of makeup, makeup games due to the pandemic. So, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, but when, during the break last year, during, you know, when there was no hockey last year, uh, trying to make this show, we talked about, man, like, oh, what a battle. You know, it's been nothing but joy being on this show, engaging with all of you fans and, and friends and family and players out there uh, to have actual hockey to talk about. Because that's what Rory and I are in this for. We're in it to talk about hockey and you're in it to watch it. Yeah, and uh, next week, Newsy, back in studio. I, I, I do like, I like the virtual sometimes, but, yep. you know, in, in the studio feel when we can have the guests down there as well. Yep. Uh, you know, the production crew of Munz Media, it, it, it makes it a nice more family feel than doing the virtual. Of course, I don't have to leave my couch doing the virtual, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's always great to see everyone down there uh, in Regina when we have that SJHL feel on SJ News. Well, the last thing I'll say about the show here, Rory, then is big time kudos to you for all those weeks. Rain, shine, snow, sleet. You come down from Humboldt to Regina to do the show. I thank you a lot. Everybody out there should be grateful to you, Roy, for all the commitment that you've put in. I know you don't like compliments. You hate it. I don't want to bring uh, you know ethnicity into it, but I hear the Irish hate uh, hate compliments. Uh, but uh, I'll throw you one right there. Yeah, unless it's self-imposed. Yeah, exactly. it's self-imposed. We're really good at it. We're, there you we're really go. good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Big thanks to Tad Cozen again, Matt Pacenti, and we'll be back next week live in studio again for all your comments. And thank you for watching SJ at noon. Have a great Monday. We'll be back next Monday.